Hello everybody, welcome back to Maunga Obotlali. In our first segment, we'll be discussing female reproductive health. So our first topic on female reproductive health is the menstrual cycle. Please check out our Facebook, our Instagram and our LinkedIn page. We'll have illustrations up explaining in detail all the information that we'll be sharing on our segment. So, we can begin. Menstrual cycle. The menstrual cycle is a cycle that takes 28 days to to complete and it is subdivided into different sections. So, all of the information that will be shared on our segment will be posted up on our social media pages. So, please do follow us on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and on Instagram. Please share constructive criticism. Please tell us if you need more information or any clarity that you need. The menstrual cycle involves the ovaries, the fallopian tubes, and the uterus itself. The ovaries contain follicles. Follicles are little tiny sacs that produce eggs produce eggs or ovas depending on whichever word that you're comfortable using so it's over eggs or ovum either way it's the same essentially means the same thing each month an egg is produced and over and ovum is produced from the follicle and it travels to the uterus and prepared and prepares for either implantation or to be discarded via menstruation the female is born with all of her eggs from birth. The female can be born with one million eggs. By the time puberty starts or when the female is preparing for menarche, which is the first um, menstrual period that the female will have, the female will have 300 to 400,000 eggs left. All the other eggs are shared throughout our lifespan up until we reach the menarche phase of our lives so menstruation refers to the elimination of thickened lining of the uterus through the vagina the menstrual fluid contains blood cells of the uterus lining and mucus and this occurs usually between one to seven days in other females it might be longer on the first day of menstruation the hypothalamus is pumped to release the FSH or the follicle stimulating hormone. What this hormone does is it goes straight to the follicle and instructs or gives the message that the follicles should produce 5 to 20 tiny um, nodules or ovas that will be immature at that time. And these little um, ovas or eggs that are immature are matured by the fsh hormone into mature eggs that will be used either for fertilization or for menstruation so essentially the female reproductive system will produce one mature egg that will travel from the follicle while the rest of the immature eggs die off that one egg will travel from the follicle through the fallopian tubes to the uterus to prepare for either fertilization or for being destroyed via menses. So that would be our follicular phase. 
So with the ovulation phase, what happens is that there's a release of a mature egg from the surface of the ovary. This usually occurs around two weeks or so before the actual menstruation starts. So during the follicular phase, the developing follicle causes a rise in levels of estrogen. The hypothalamus in the brain recognizes the rising levels and releases a chemical called gonadotrophin releasing hormone. This hormone prompts the pituitary gland to produce raised levels of luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone. The egg or the ovum is always moved very slowly um, in like hair-like strokes moving slowly from the fallopian to the uterus where it will prepare for either implantation or menstruation. The typical lifespan of an egg is 24 hours unless if it meets a sperm during this time the egg will die. The luteinizing hormone is there to help during ovulation after the egg has burst from the follicle and has moved from the follicle into the uterus preparing for it to be um, implanted the luteinizing hormone will turn the follicle into a corpus luteum indicating that it is done with um, producing an, an immature or immatured egg that has been released into the uterus after the corpus luteum is formed the uterus will maintain the thickened um, lining of the uterus using the oestrogen and progesterone hormones the combo of these two hormones will maintain the uterus lining as thickened as the uterus lining is waiting for implantation if a fertilized egg implants in the lining of the uterus it produces the hormones that are necessary to maintain the pregnancy the body will automatically start producing humane gonadotrophin um, hormone which will be used which will be used to conclude pregnancy and which can be found when, when testing urine for pregnancy if the pregnancy does not occur by day 22 of the 28 day cycle the uterus will shed taking out the lining that it had formed when it was still preparing for pregnancy. There will be a drop in progesterone levels and the cycle will begin again from scratch. Now all of this information is quite a lot to digest but um, it is easier to understand when you also you when you are also referring to the illustrations. So with the menstrual cycle there's different um, options that you can use when you're on your menses. You can use um, traditionally people use pads. There's also tampons. But now technology is changing a lot of a lot of um, new things that are coming in that people are using. Some people are comfortable with them. Some people are not. Depending also how comfortable you are with your body, how comfortable with your, you are with touching yourself in certain places where you've not been touched. Okay. So there's also menstrual discs so the disc you have it looks like um it looks similar to the female condom but not exactly 
so what happens is that you would have to use your fingers to push it up into your uterus so you'd have to bite and just follow instructions um i've seen a lot of reviews on youtube and all other social media pages um from youtubers and also health professionals about the menstrual disc and people have given it a thumbs up um but they also explain that it's very important that you must connect with your body in a certain way be able to touch yourself in a, in a certain way for, for you for you to be able to use them therapeutically and actually um be safe when using your menstrual discs you can also use a menstrual cup which is similar to a disc just that um, the menstrual cup is shaped differently compared to the menstrual disc so the disc and the cup require very high hygiene standards you have to constantly wash your hands before and after you touch it after you take it out you have to wash it so essentially just follow the instructions you'll be fine with men's menstruation also comes the downside of it um there's the pms whereby the female is extremely moody hormones are rage raging and it comes quite difficult for the partner to sort of comfort or help the the patient so it depends mainly um what is wrong with the female so when it comes to severe menstrual pain um the medical term would be dysmenorrhea for severe menstrual pain what we would recommend as health professionals is that the patient needs to take um a hot bath or a warm bath depending on um, the patient's tolerance to the hot to hot water patient can use a hot water bottle can you um can sit in front of a heater just to keep warm also taking pain medication aspirin aspirin and panado have been proven to be a better alternative to dysmenorrhea compared to ibuprofen use of natural anti-inflammatory agents is also very important and it helps in the long term in the long term using ginger turmeric cayenne pepper can help reduce um, inflammation so essentially you can mix your ginger your cayenne pepper into um um into a little puree and put it in your tea put it in your juice just to help um, bring down the inflammation in your uterus we'll put up more options or more um natural treatment modalities on our pages that you can use specifics measurements how much you can use and what and how exactly you can use them on our pages just to give clear and concise information Hi everyone and welcome to our second segment under female reproductive health. Today's topic is contraceptives, better known to others as family planning. My name is Swifty and I am the other half of Maumo Awutlali. Today's topic is quite lengthy so it will be divided into a couple of segments so that you can 
have better understanding so that we can give you as much information as possible and then so that we don't have to cut out anything but give you everything that we can give you so that you have a better understanding of different contraceptive methods please don't forget to interact with us on our social media pages these are facebook instagram and linkedin let's get started <laughs> our first um contraceptive method is our barrier methods one of them being condoms these are the most common contraceptive methods and familiar to i think just about everyone from being teenagers upwards the primary um prevention of this is of course the passage of sperm right the what this will actually prevent fertilization but what these also do is that they prevent the passage of microbes and viruses this means that these prevent um STIs and HIV infections and this is the only contraceptive method that has a dual um protection this means that it does not only have contraceptive benefit but that it also um prevents you from getting STIs and HIV when used correctly. The effectiveness of this are 85 to 98% when used correctly and stored correctly. And by being stored correctly, I mean that they are stored in a cool and dry place and away from sunlight, okay? And then we have two types of condoms. We have our female condoms and our male condoms. Our female condoms require a level of comfort for the female with her body because she has to insert it into her vagina. So if she is not comfortable with her body, it is kind of difficult for her to touch herself and just be comfortable and relaxed during this process of inserting the condom. Then the male condom is the one that everyone is familiar with, most people are familiar with, and it is the easier condom method. And then most people don't have side effects to condoms. So that is the big up, so the advantage of this that it does not usually have any reactions to it. But there is a very rare occurrence where someone is allergic to latex and we know that a lot of condoms contain latex. But for those people who are allergic to these, there are latex-free condoms. So being allergic to latex means that you don't have to completely rule out using condoms but you can just look for the latex free condoms the disadvantage of these is that for females it does have a reduced sexual pleasure because of the um, sensitivity to it that it does not have the whole discomfort that it might come with rather and then for males it is usually just the latex allergy that is a rare occurrence like i said then we have our spermicides as another barrier method contraceptive. These are chemical products that are inserted into the vagina before sexual intercourse. And what these do is that they inactivate or kill the sperm. But these are only 75 to 80% effective or trustworthy. So these are, you know, not that trustworthy and we don't know if they would be able to prevent pregnancy to its maximum level. Then we have our combined oral contraceptives method, right? We call them COCs. 
These are pills that contain synthetic estrogen and synthetic progestogens. If you listened to our first segment, you'd understand better, I think, what estrogen and progestogens are and what they do in the body and their role in the whole menstrual cycle. And thus, better understanding the mode of action for COCs. COCs are 92% effective. This is in the first use, in the first year of use, correct use that is. And then they go up to 99.7% thereafter when still used correctly. By correctly, I mean that you take them at the same time daily. You know, this will just maximize the effectiveness and make sure that they are working properly in your body. These have no age restrictions from manaki to 40. So manaki, remember, is the time where you start your periods for the first time. So this is usually around your teenage years. So they have no restrictions from manaki until 40. So anyone can use them once they've started their periods. What it does primarily, what the COC does, is that it prevents ovulation. Ovulation, remember, is that whole process where your body is ready for fertilization. So it prevents that method, that process, that moment in your body where it is ready for fertilization. This means that your body will just not be ready to have a baby anyway. And then, secondarily, it thickens the cervical mucus. The cervix is the what we call the uterine mouth. This is between the vagina and the womb, or rather the uterus. So what this does is that once the mucus is thick, it basically traps the sperm. So once ejaculation happens, it does not um, go through the cervix into the uterus where it would meet the egg if fertilization did occur. The side effects that we know are the, that some people have nausea and intermenstrual spotting or bleeding. And some people have mild headaches, dizziness, breast tenderness. This would be when your breasts are painful and swollen. Um, then they have light periods or breakthrough bleeding. Um, but usually these side effects, you know, they actually subside quite a lot after about three months of use of the method. So it's usually not, doesn't last that long. And then we have our non-contraceptive benefits. Remember the only um, contraceptive method that has um, what benefit against what that gives prevention or protection um, from STIs and HIV are condoms. But other methods also have other contraceptive benefits um, rather than just preventing pregnancy. Um, for COCs is that it has regular, lighter, and less painful periods of menstruation. This is, remember, the whole ovulation process didn't happen. And if you listened to our previous um, segment, you'd know that after ovulation, there are certain hormones that are secreted that thicken the endometrial wall. And the endometrial wall is what is shed during 
menstruation. This is the blood that is shed. So if ovulation didn't happen, this, this means that those hormones were not secreted. This means that the endometrial wall did not thicken. This means less blood is there in the first place. So there's less blood to be taken out of the body. Thus, you have regular, lighter, and less painful periods. Then it also prevents or improves iron deficiency anemia. This is simply the blood loss anemia. We will explain what anemia is at a later stage and explain the different types of anemia. But this type of anemia is just primarily the blood loss anemia. So what it does, since you have less blood being um, shed, obviously you have less um, the, the chances of anemia are much less. Then it also decreases the incidence of PID. This is pelvic inflammatory disease. This is an infection of the pelvic area. Usually it will come across as these very painful lower abdomen and sometimes even purulent um, discharge. This would be like pus. So this would be yellow and smelling pus that would be um, secreted through the vagina. Then it also prevents ectopic pregnancy. This is a pregnancy that happens outside of the uterus. So basically anywhere that it is not supposed to happen, it is referred to as an ectopic pregnancy. It also prevents or improves the likeliness or decreases the likeliness of ovarian and endometrial cancer. The ovaries are part of the menstrual cycle and the endometrium is that wall that I just explained that thickens um, in order to, um, the one that is shed during menstruation. It can also improve or worsen acne, but for your sake, I really hope that it improves it, <laughs> fingers crossed. And then the return to fertility. Usually with these, the return to fertility is not um, delayed or anything. It usually returns almost immediately once you stop using the pills. But remember, it does not have any STI or HIV protection and it can be used throughout your reproductive years. It can also be used through, for rather, um, breakthrough bleeding. Um, this is just basically what it does is that it will regulate your hormones and bring them down to just a more settled um, level for the body to be able to go back to its normal menstrual cycle. And now we are going to talk about the myths that come with COCs, right? So one of the myths that I've heard quite a number of times at work is that the pills cause periods to stop, your menstruation to stop. Now remember, I've been going through this, that the pills actually prevent ovulation and that the endometrial wall does not thicken. So this just means that there isn't a lot of blood to let go of. So it's not that the pills are, you know, stopping this it's just that because they um primarily stopped or prevented ovulation that whole process the rest of the process um for the menstrual cycle to just proceed didn't happen so there is just not any blood to let go of some people will either have the lighter blood where the endometrial wall does not just thicken that much you know there might be some sort of thickening but not a lot so that the blood the menstruation is actually lighter then for some when ovulation is prevented completely then there is no menstruation this we'd call amenorrhea 
amenorrhea is when there's no menstruation whatsoever then some people say that it causes that the pills cause um, various types of cancer remember we said that um, the pills actually prevent um, or rather reduce the incidence or the occurrence of ovarian and endometrial cancer so actually they don't cause cancer they actually um, reduce the incidence of cancer but if you have been diagnosed with a hormonal dependent cancer then this would not be a good um, contraceptive method for you because it is hormonal um, secretion that happens or rather introduced into your body so if you either already have a hormonal dependent cancer and you just don't know about it or you are already diagnosed with it it wouldn't be a good idea to use this um, contraceptive method but it does not actually cause cancer then we have the myth that pills cause serious medical problems so what people think is that when they don't see their periods at all or that their periods are much lighter then they think that there's blood stored somewhere in their bodies but like i said pills stop ovulation that means that there isn't blood what like there isn't a thickening of that blood lining so meaning that there is just no blood to let go of meaning that there is no blood so it's not actually holding back any blood or storing it somewhere there's just no blood at all that is um there to let go of or stored then some say that it causes chloasma and acne remember i said that one of the benefits about um, cocs is that it can improve acne but it can also worsen it but we said we are hoping that it improves yours <laughs> so one of the other things is the chloasma chloasma is a darkening um like of the skin mostly um darker um, skinned women will have this so if you are dark skinned the chances of you having chloasma are higher than those of light skinned because it actually stimulates um melanocytes these are um, melanin you know like how people say melanin popping yeah for those people there is a higher chance that you'd actually have chloasma and then this actually just produces a higher pigment um, thus, you know, darkening certain parts of your body. This is just a higher level of melanin at certain parts of your body. Most especially when you are, when you have a lot of um, sun exposure. So when you are on pills, it is advisable to just minimize your sun exposure as much as possible. Then some say that it makes women fat. Now the pill itself does not make you fat. But the synthetic hormone, you know, that whole estrogen and progestogen, does stimulate um, or suppress sometimes um, appetite center in the brain. So if it stimulates it, you just tend to eat a lot more than you normally would. So it's not the pill that actually makes you fat, it's just that your diet changes. So it is advisable that you actually just monitor your diet and any changes in your diet. If you do find yourself wanting to eat more, you can actually just, you know, opt for healthier snacks in between rather than, you know, stuffing your face with all of this junk. <laughs> so you can actually just have a healthier diet even though you're eating more. And then 
I think that's about it with our myths. If there are any other ones that you'd actually like us to clarify, please do let us know and we'll just go through them and explain um, what would happen or if it is true or not. (laughs) And then for missed pills. So if you miss a pill, let's say you are supposed to drink it at 8 p.m. Let's say you drink your pills every day, every night rather, at 8 p.m. And then you forget it and you only remember at 11 drink the pill as soon as you remember and then let's say you don't you don't remember it at 11 p.m you remember it at 11 the following day this means that there is just over 12 hours um, that has lapsed between the time that you usually drink your pill drink it immediately when you remember it doesn't matter that you're going to be drinking two pills at the same day but just drink it as soon as you remember so you will basically drink it at 11 a.m. the following day and then at night you'll go back to your normal time of drinking at 8 p.m. But if you happen to drink, to forget to drink your pills for two consecutive days, this is 48 hours now, what we advise you to do is that you throw away the two that you've missed. As soon as you remember, to, uh, you remember, you drink the third one, right? So at 8 p.m. on the third day, you'll drink it. But it is advisable that you use condoms or abstain for at least seven days because the effectiveness of the pill reduces if you forget to drink it for 48 hours or more. If you vomit within two hours of drinking a pill, then you should drink another one because the chances are it has not been taken in by your body properly. And yeah, (laughs) then it would um, constitute as a missed pill. Um, I think that's about it (laughs) for today we'll just stop there because I think we've already had a lot (laughs) to talk about so today we covered our barrier methods and our COCs or rather combined oral contraceptive method and then we'll continue in our next segment thank you everyone and welcome to Maomo Abotlali, the third segment under female reproductive health. My name is Swifty Mashinini and I will be continuing with our contraceptives topic. Let's get right into it. But before we get into it, don't forget to interact with us on our social media pages. This is Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. In. Today we are going to look at progestogen only pills. Last week we looked at barrier methods and combined oral contraceptive methods. So today we are going to look at progestogen only pills, subdermal implants, and progestogen only injectables. Let's get started. So with our progestogen only pills, um, we have um, pills that usually look white. So these are usually just white pills. You'll see that the pack will have only one color. So it won't have other colors like the other type of combined pills, but this one will just have one color. And this is because it is a single hormone, right? So these ones are more appropriate for breastfeeding women. 
This is because the effectiveness for breastfeeding women is more than 99%, whereas for non-breastfeeding women is 90 to 97%. And of course, like most contraceptives, it does not have any age limits, right? So there's no restrictions to using these pills, but you do have to choose which one is better for you um, looking at other um aspects right like i said that this one works better for breastfeeding women the mode of action for this one is that it primarily thickens the cervical mucus remember that i mentioned how the cervical mucus is the mucus that basically is there where there is a door if we can say that um to the womb the uterus so the cervix is that door now there's mucus on that door so stopping or preventing sperm from going through the cervix that door into the uterus to find and fertilize an egg so it just prevents that process by um, thickening that cervical mucus then it also inhibits ovulation in 60% of women who use it then the common side effects of progestogen only pills are that they change menstrual bleeding so sometimes you'll have irregular bleeding spotting or amenorrhea amenorrhea remember is not having your menstruation at all some of the um, the country the side effects rather are mild headaches nausea dizziness and breast tenderness breast tenderness of course is when the boobs are just a little sore right and usually it comes at a certain time of the month usually not all through then the return to fertility with these pills is usually not delayed then we're going to our progestogen only injectables these are usually the one the two months one and the three months one so usually we know them as depo and nestrate these ones contain a synthetic progestogen right and the effectiveness when used commonly so basically this is just maybe let's say from the first time you use it or you miss a couple of follow-up visits so you don't go properly with your follow-up visits the effectiveness of it is commonly around 93%. But when it's used correctly, this means that re-injecting at the right time, at the time that you are told to go and re-inject. So this would be every three months, this would be 12 weeks or eight weeks respectively for the different types of progestogen only um, injections. Then the effectiveness is 99.7% so it's quite effective if used properly there is overall no age limit but there are some cautions for adolescents younger than 18 years and women over 45 years so these are the people that should just be more cautious with choosing this mode of um, contraceptive method okay then the mode of action for this one is that it primarily inhibits ovulation Remember with the progestogen only pills, it primarily thickens the cervical wall. Then it also prevents ovulation in 60% of women. But this one primarily inhibits that ovulation, right? But it also thickens the cervical mucus. 
so it's just you know they just kind of work differently according to the whole um, percentage of working and which mode works directly with what action so these ones primarily inhibit ovulation and also thicken the cervical mucus the common side effects are that it has changes in menstrual bleeding so the side effects are more or less the same as the ones in our progestogen only pills okay then the non-contraceptive benefits these are the benefits that a woman would have just apart from being able to prevent unwanted pregnancies so what these do is that they prevent or improve iron deficiency anemia what that is is a story for another day <laughs> but basically because you won't be bleeding as much then anemia um, is less likely to happen right because anemia or rather iron deficiency anemia is usually due to excessive bleeding then it also decreases the occurrence of ectopic pregnancies um, an ectopic pregnancy is any pregnancy that happens outside of the womb outside of the uterus as this is where the pregnancy is supposed to happen so once it happens outside we call it an ectopic pregnancy then it also decreases the occurrence of pelvic inflammatory disease this is PID uterine fibroids and endometrial cancer it also reduces the severity of symptoms of endometriosis then the return to fertility with these ones um, is usually um, just between four to six months so it's usually delayed it can be longer but it just depends on which type of injectable you were using and your body and how your body reacts to the whole um, injectable now let's go to the myths of injectable um, progestogen onlys. Myth number one <laughs> is that amenorrhea may lead to sickness. Amenorrhea meaning no bleeding. So what people think is that when they don't bleed that the blood somehow is kept somewhere in their body and then it just keeps building up. But this is not the case. Remember how it prevents or primarily inhibits ovulation it means that the endometrial wall does not thicken means that there is no blood to be shed in the first place so basically no periods no storage of blood somewhere <laughs> and then some people say that it makes women sterile because of the prolonged or rather the delayed return to fertility now the thing about this is that usually um, people only realize that they had a fertility problem after using the injectable because sometimes they have not tried to have a child then they find themselves believing that this contraceptive method is the reason why they have problems with fertility and they wouldn't know that they had a pre-existing problem because they didn't try to have a child and then because you used a contraceptive you think okay this is what caused it so currently there is no proven um reason that these could cause um a permanent effect on fertility so there hasn't been any proven study stating that then some people say injectables increase the risk of cancer 
Now remember, we said that it actually um, decreases the occurrence of cancer, um, particularly endometrial cancer. Okay, so these myths are not true. If there are more myths that you know about progestogen-only injectables, please do let us know on our social media pages so we can just talk about those because I know that there are a lot of myths about this particular contraceptive method. I have heard so many and I have had to explain what is going on to the woman's body um, so that they understand that it, it is just a normal way um, of the body to go through certain things and it's not because of the injectable. Okay, then our next contraceptive method is our subdermal implants. Now, our subdermal implants are one of our long-acting um, contraceptives, right? Because they are usually the minimum um, years of acting for a subdermal implant is three years. So it's quite a long-acting contraceptive. Now, these ones are proven to be highly effective and safe. We have the single rod um, subdermal implant. This is the implanon or explanon used for three years. And then there is the two rod um, implant. These are This is the jadel and the sinoplant. The jadel usually works for five years and the sinoplant for four years. But in South Africa, we use the implanon in our public, in our public sector, rather if the way I work in our primary health um, facilities, we use the implanon, which is the three year um, implant. So the, the single rod is a small plastic rod, right? About the size of a matchstick. So it's pretty small. Okay. So it's placed under the skin of the upper arm. You see from your elbow, the high, the upper part of your elbow. So it is placed there. Um, then it releases a small amount of progestogen into the body. And then it does not have estrogen. So it is a single hormone like the progestogen-only pills and the progestogen-only injectables. Um, these show, you know, they have been the most effective ones, right? But then the most effective um, ones also come with, you know, some um, stresses for some people, right? Because people always think that they can now be, um, what can we call it, <laughs> um, irresponsible with their health. So please just remember from the first same segment that condom use is the biggest thing um, for you to prevent any STIs and HIV. So all of these contraceptive methods can prevent pregnancy, unwanted pregnancy at that, but they do not protect you from STIs and HIV. And the only contraceptive method that is a dual protective method is our condoms. So if you use any other of these contraceptive methods, please, please, please use condoms to protect yourself from HIV and other STIs. Continuing with our subdermal implants, <laughs> it has no age restrictions from menarche to menopause. Menarche being the moment that you start your period, right? So the effectiveness of these is almost 100%. So this is really 
a trustworthy contraceptive method right so it is usually just you know the failure rate is usually just one out of a thousand so it's a pretty high effective rate so it is a thumbs up when it comes to the effectiveness and the trustworthiness of the contraceptive method so what it does is that it primarily inhibits ovulation it thickens cervical mucus which of course as we've explained that it prevents the penetration of sperm into the uterus so preventing the sperm from reaching the egg to um, fertilize it so the non-contraceptive benefit is that it prevents any symptomatic PID PID is the pelvic inflammatory disease and it also prevents the symptomatic um, occurrence of iron deficiency anemia but like I said police <laughs> condom use is of utmost importance to protect yourself from STIs and HIV we will stop at that today um, with our contraceptive methods and we'll continue next time I hope this was educational and you enjoyed our segment for today. Once again, I am Swifty Mashinini from Mawungo Abutlali. Please do interact with us on our social media pages. This is Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you.